Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. On today's episode, I'll talk with choir member Dick Varan and share about the hymn Like a River Glorious. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. I'm happy to be able to share with you today another listener-requested hymn. This time we'll be exploring the hymn Like a River Glorious. The hymn text was written by Frances Ridley Havergal. She was born in 1836 in Worcestershire, England, and was the daughter of an Anglican priest, and as such moved around quite a bit uh, in England. She was a very well-educated woman, uh, didn't have the greatest health, uh, was well-educated though, and um, learned multiple languages, including Hebrew and Greek. She did not consider herself a poet, uh, but did indeed write many, many poems and hymn texts, uh, in addition to Like a River Glorious. Our Celebrating Grace hymnal includes her texts, Lord, Speak to Me That I May Speak, and also Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. One biographer of Frances Havergal wrote these words, which are a wonderful tribute to her writing. Simply and sweetly she sang the love of God and his way of salvation. To this end and for this object, her whole life and all her powers were consecrated. She lives and speaks in every line of her poetry. Her poems are permeated with the fragrance of her passionate love of Jesus. This same biographer also wrote that uh, Francis Havergal's Theology could be described as mildly Calvinistic. Uh, We're going to come back to that idea in just a moment. Mildly Calvinistic. Frances Havergal died at the age of 43 as a result of some of the health problems that she had experienced through her life. The tune for Like a River Glorious was written specifically for this text um, by a traveling preacher named James Mountain. Uh, also in Britain. Uh, James was uh, on a preaching tour and uh, wrote this tune in 1876. Um, He was inspired by the evangelistic tours of Dwight Moody and Iris Sankey. Those meetings included the popular gospel songs that were being written at that time. Uh, You can hear a little bit of that same style with this tune, Like a River Glorious being sung to the Wye Valley tune. The tune is named for uh, the Wye Village, uh, W-Y-E, the Wye Village near Ashford in Kent, England. The Celebrating Grace hymnal includes two other hymns that use this same Wye Valley tune. Uh, One is Fill the Earth with Music, and the other is Let Your Heart Be Broken. Now, Let's return to the idea of mildly Calvinistic. The third stanza of this hymn begins with the line, Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. 
every joy or trial falleth from above. Now, uh, there are folks who are much smarter than I am who could talk about uh, Calvin's theology and predestination and the idea of whether um, both good and bad things that happen in our world are ordained by God. But clearly, that phrase uh, implies that those things do indeed, uh, uh, good and bad, come from God. And it's interesting to note that our Celebrating Grace hymnal made a slight change that um, uh, puts some nuance to that phrase. The Celebrating Grace hymnal starts that phrase by saying, When a joy or trial falleth from above, and shifts slightly the idea of whether uh, God ordains both good and ill, joy or trial, as the hymn says. So it's interesting to ponder the implications of that phrase, but it's also important to note that our hymns uh, reflect deep theology, and it's important for us to uh, evaluate those hymns and to understand that they do impart theology and what that theology is. The listener who requested this hymn did tell me that, uh, for her, the uh, refrain has been um, meaningful and important for her, especially during this unusual time with the pandemic. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Now, we can talk about nuances of theology and phraseology. But it's true, I think, for all of us that that uh, sustaining phrase is beautifully written and one that uh, sticks with us. If you have a hymn to suggest that we explore in a future episode of the podcast, you can email me at marty at vhbc.com. This episode will conclude with an arrangement of Like a River Glorious, played by our church's own Beth McGinnis on the organ. I continue to be grateful for the opportunity to, to chat one-on-one and to share those conversations with you through this podcast, and I'm glad to have with me today Dick Varan. Dick, welcome. Thank you. Glad to have you uh, with us for this conversation. Well, it's kind of interesting to be here. I've never done anything quite like this, so we'll see how it all comes out. Yes, yes. Well, this is, uh, I've never done a podcast before, so this is, <laughs> this is uh, new for me too. Well, thank you for, for being here. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about your involvement uh, at Vesavia Hills Baptist, uh, music or otherwise. I know you're uh, in a bass in the choir, but tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I, it, it's kind of a long story why I'm even there, but... Um I was born and raised a Methodist, and a few years ago, I found myself looking for a new church home, and thanks to the music program at Vestavia, I decided to take a chance, and it's been a, it was been, has been a great decision. I'm really glad I did. Um, I'm in the choir. Uh, one of my best friends in the choir and I take a strong interest in our shepherd scholars and, and try to mentor them as much as we can. 
Um, I try to attend Wednesday night fellowships and suppers, the suppers especially, because we have a good kitchen. And uh, the the programs are usually very interesting. And they're always varied. Mm-hmm. I I have to express my appreciation uh, in front of the tens of listeners of this podcast for your um, your mentorship of the Shepherd Scholars. It means so much to them, I know for sure, uh, but it means so much to me and to the rest of our uh, church family to know that um, they are being uh, tended to so well. So thank you for your ministry to them. It's, it's vital. Well, I, I think I can safely speak for Mike. We both enjoy it. We're, we're a couple of old softies who, who just really get involved with these co- young college kids and uh, enjoy seeing them develop and grow. And even once they grow beyond what we can do and uh, go on into their adult lives and maybe away from us at some distance, uh, we still sort of consider them as our kids yeah, and I, I think um, that attitude of being kind of their, their parent away from, from their own family um, is, is definitely reflected in the way that you um, take care of them and, and offer your support. So uh, I think it's wonderful that you do that, and thank you uh, on behalf of our choir and our church Glad to do it. You are also the uh, bass section leader, so you've got an important uh, duty there uh, when we are meeting in person to take attendance. <laughs> yes, um, and now that that's gone electronic, that's quite easy to do. Right, yes. Um, but it's also part of the responsibility that is to stay in touch with all of the members of the section and make sure that there are no prayer needs or any yes. other problems that they have that that we could address. Yes, I was uh, didn't mean to minimize your role as the section leader. I know that you take that very seriously as well, <laughs> and it's more than just attendance taking. That's for sure. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you've got uh, you've got a great base section, and I'm grateful when you uh, are able to sort of relay any any uh, concerns that you become aware of through through your being section leader and I, I appreciate that as well that's uh, an important duty especially with a choir uh, the size of ours where um, you know being able to divide up into sections and sort of uh, spread that responsibility out is so important I think we're extremely fortunate um, for the size of the church as a whole to have the choir that we have um, we normally, uh, on, on a full choir loft, we would seat, what, right at 60 mm-hmm. if everybody was there. And that's a little unusual for a church our size. And to be as talented as our membership, choir membership is. Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly and uh, can also add that it's um, a joy for me to to be able to work with with a choir like ours. It really is. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, your family and your job and sort of your your personal personal life, what what um, what you do for a living and all that sort of thing. Well, what I do for a living right now is not very much since I've been officially retired uh, from full time gainful employment for, let's see, about 17 years. Wow. 
But um, born and raised in Louisiana, uh, went to college there at a uh, Methodist liberal arts college, uh, sang in the choir, sang in church choir. Um, when I married, uh, moved to Texas for work and uh, began working for a major industrial corporation where I stayed for nearly 35 years, mm. which is somewhat unusual in these days. Yeah. But the result of that employment got me transferred to the Birmingham area. And um, as I say, the, the rest of that is pretty much history in terms of finding the church. My wife and I had uh, one daughter with whom I now live um, since my wife passed away a few years ago. And... We, uh, we are a small family, but we do a lot of things together. For instance, um, this weekend, which whenever this plays won't be accurate, but this weekend we will be uh, at Tannehill State Park camping out for a couple of days, mm. which is something we enjoy a lot. Um, have three dogs in the family, all of them adoptees, all of them kind of mixed breeds, uh, nothing particularly fancy or special, except they're all just great pets, and we love them like crazy. Yep. Now, uh, since your retirement, you, I know you've you've got some some work that you continue to do. Tell us a little bit about that. I, I think it's such a cool cool thing. Well, about three and a half or four years ago, um, when my wife passed away, my daughter said that we should get a house together because she didn't want me to have to maintain a house by myself and all of the good reasons why a loving daughter would say we should be in the same household. I thought she was crazy, but we did it and it worked. And um, we found a really good house that works well for us. After about two and a half years of settling the dust clouds of that relocation and resettling, I realized I was getting a little bit bored just sitting around because I didn't have too much to do. And I found myself thinking too much in ways that I shouldn't have been going. I thought, I need to find something to do. I need something that occupies my time, not just volunteering and not just going to church, but something that's constructive and means something to somebody else. So I looked around for part-time jobs and being an a long time car nut I found an ad for a car dealership that needed a courtesy driver three days a week I applied and they said We're, you're hired <laughs> it was just about that easy so I spend uh, basically two and three fourths days a week at a uh, local car dealership and if customers need to be taken somewhere uh, we do that and um, if there's if that need isn't there at the present time, then uh, whatever else somebody needs, they wind up saying, hey, can you do this? And I find myself doing all sorts of things that I never <laughs> thought I would do. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's very interesting. And as I said, I'm a car nut, so I'm, I'm around brand new, medium new, really old, all kinds of cars, all day long for three days a week. So it's like being a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine you get to meet some um, interesting characters through your, your courtesy driving. Two of the most interesting are two of our choir members, <laughs> Paul and Terry Bird. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they have two of our cars, and they bring them in periodically for service. 
So, uh, yeah, I get to meet them. And there are one or two others that show up, not as frequently, so I don't see them as often. But I know that... uh, And then there are just the -the run-of-the-mill, ordinary folks who in some way or other leave you with a feeling, I wish I could get to know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that... um I think I think um, people like Uber drivers and that sort of thing, sort of a similar um, uh, interaction that you might have with somebody, a relatively short interaction, would you, you'd come across folks that you, you wish you could spend hours with to, right, to yeah. get to know. Yeah. And there are a couple of a couple of the young men who work in the uh, mechanics part of the of the dealership that are so intelligent beyond their mechanical ability. And when they have time, and on the rare occasions when we get to just stop and have a conversation, it can get rather intense sometimes because the subject matter can be complex. It can be current events. It can be philosophical things. And I'm always amazed at how some of these folks who under 40 are approaching life these days. Mm. Um, I uh, have concluded each of these conversations with the question, uh, what is bringing you life these days? The um, second half of the verse, John 10.10, says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what's bringing you life? That's kind of a... A hard one to answer um, because one of the things that normally was the big life bringer was Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that since we're doing the Zoom choir rehearsals and the online services, that has been a big plus. It, it's not as good as being there in person, and I can't wait till we can do that again. Yes. But... Um, other than that, um, I think, uh, away from the church aspect per se, just being able to look out at the world, whether it's a thunderstorm or whether it's a beautiful sunny day, and say, yeah, I'm still vertical and I'm still taking nourishment, and thank you, Lord. Mm. You know, because I've been through a couple of things that, we're scary. I th- I think that attitude, uh, in some ways, uh, has been um, magnified during this whole pandemic. Uh, sort of the stop and smell the roses or the carpe diem sort of mentality. Um, not uh, primarily because it seems like we have more time to do those sorts of things now um, but and I think um, that's been a good thing for uh, in, a, in a terrible situation that's something good that's come from it is to give us all a chance to stop and pause uh, and reflect uh, one of my our previous podcast conversations they were talking about that uh, as well just to find a quiet moment uh, is, a, is a blessing I think that's true. I really do. Yeah. Well, Dick, I sure do appreciate you giving me uh, some time today to chat and to 
share a little bit about yourself and um, for folks who are listening to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, it's my hope with these podcasts that um, uh, within the music ministry, but also with the broader church family, we'll get to know one another a little bit better and uh, be able to uh, maintain our community even when we're not able to meet together in person. So thank you for this. Well, I'm glad you asked me. I'm uh, glad to be a part of it. Well, thanks. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Subscribing to this podcast will ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Today's episode concludes with an organ arrangement of Like a River Glorious, played by our church's own Beth McGinnis.